Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Do I understand this correctly? I'm being marked down? You see her sitting with her coffee and her paper with her high-top sneakers of Italian design. The long, cool stare, she aggravates attention, makes up a face while she makes up her mind. Don't try to put on an act, you can't do that to modern woman. And you're in no fashion man, she understands the things you're doing. She's a modern Hello, everyone, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today's episode, we discuss the song Modern Woman. Modern Woman is the fourth song off Billy's 10th studio album entitled The Bridge. Modern Woman was released on June 14th, 1986. That's one month before The Bridge was released as the kickoff to the new album. And the featured song from the Judge Reinhold film classic, <laughs> Ruthless People. <laughs> you give him top billing? <laughs> well, for me, he always did. I, you know, I, I always forget that the other people are in it. I always think of it as a Judge Reinhold movie. He made the most impression for me then. The song, Modern Woman, lasted 12 weeks on the chart and peaked at number 10 on July 26, 1986. Because you're, you, well, <laughs> you're not going to beat a song that goes, we don't have to take our... Close off to have a good time. Uh-huh. Was that number one? What? Oh, yeah. What was it? I don't even know that song. And drink some cherry wine. Uh-huh. Is, it, is that Prince? No, it's Jermaine Stewart, but everybody thought it was Prince. Oh, okay. So you sang it good because I never heard the song, but it sounded like Prince to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was a good song, but it's, you know, it's just, it's lame. Uh, it's still, I mean, it's, it's an 80s song. It, it, I don't know whether it would make it today. Uh, anyway, this song, Modern Woman, appears on no other albums, and that includes Greatest Hits Volume 3. It, you'll have to explain to me later in the program, Alon, how a song that goes to number 10, and, and going to number 10 is a pretty big deal, isn't on a Greatest Hits compilation. If Billy Joel had his way, this song wouldn't even be on the bridge. Uh, apparently, but I'll just tell you this, that if you put lullaby on a greatest hits album that only went to 77 you got a goddamn problem anyhow for some again god knows reason it does reappear on the my lives compilation album and nobody will ever know why right and as the studio version not a special version exactly which we always talk about all the time why (laughs) so let's go to the rankings then this song that no one ever speaks of This is Christopher Bonanos. He wrote his 2015 New York Magazine article ranking 121 Billy Joel songs. Where does he place this average Billy Joel song named Modern Woman? Well, I think he places this anonymous top 10 hit at 104. He puts it at 76. He says uh, it's a very high cheese factor, which makes sense. And uh, Glenn Gamboa puts it a little higher at 52. Yeah, saying it, it's weird because he says that 
The, the plot from this stylish 80s pop number really should have become a rom-com starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. It sparks a smile every time, but it's a weird thing to say since it it was kind of in a... Yeah, rom-com. right. I mean, it already was in a movie. Yeah. So, I mean, all right. Ruthless People may not be a rom-com in your standard sense, but still a strange thing to write. But anyway, the fans rank it at 95. Now, Alon, <laughs> get ready, folks. My name is Dave Juskow and a very strange man. This is one of my favorite Billy Joel songs. <laughs> Boo. I don't I don't know what to tell you, folks. I you know, I am the the worst person to do a Billy Joel podcast and the best person to do a Billy Joel podcast. Obviously I haven't heard half of the songs, so that's the bad part. I don't like the ones that everybody seems to like, and I like the ones that everybody seems to hate. But isn't that what makes a podcast interesting? Well, yeah, I think you're right, because your hatred of lullaby, it really got people talking. So <laughs> I think your love of modern woman, woman will really just, like, send our podcast into the stratosphere. Alon, this is on my, my list. It's in my head all the time. I have loved this song since the first day I heard it. I thought it was the greatest song. Remember, this was at the time, for me, in 1986. I'm the perfect age. Uh, You know, 86 is an amazing era of comedy and music and uh, a budding Dave Juskow trying to make it in the world. And when this song came out, I was dying for a new Billy Joel album. You know, so I was waiting and waiting. This is after Innocent Man. And the first song I heard off this album, there's, there's a small radio station. We'll talk about it more, though, out in Jersey that played, for some reason, Running on Ice. And they just played it. I don't know why. But the technical first release from the bridge is this song. But a month before the album came out to, of course, coincide with the movie Ruthless People. And again, you know, there I was saying to myself, or we all were, I can't believe Billy Joel did a movie soundtrack because, you know, he'd done Easy Money, which made sense for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then the question, of course, was, why didn't he do more movie soundtracks? Because that's what people were doing. Those, I mean, that, but he was smart because that's how Kenny Loggins ruined himself. <laughs> Too many movie soundtracks. But I couldn't wait to see this movie because of this song. Oh, okay. So, so it worked. They did a good job of getting Billy Joel to do something on the soundtrack because it actually got your butt in the seats. Yeah, and it's better than that or worse than that is there was no... until. Today, when we were doing the research, I had no idea until, you know, just moments ago that this song, and I, I guarantee the rest of the world is with me on this when in 1986, who didn't think this was about Christy Brinkley. Everybody thought it was about Christy Brinkley. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay, great. That makes me feel a little better. The weird part is, if, if you've seen the movie, and I obviously I saw it when it opened many, many years ago. Yeah, I've never seen it. I watched a couple clips on YouTube. It's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It was a very good movie. It's done by the same guys that do Airplane. Mm-hmm. And so they made an actual, like, real movie instead of just, you know, jokey. And it's very entertaining. Very entertaining. You know, good performances all around. It's funny because Danny DeVito was so popular at that time. Bette Midler was just as popular. And Judge Reinhold was coming off, you know, Beverly Hills Cop and, you know, a couple other things. But technically, it's... You know, it's got good performances, by, but, but, but the, you know, you're thinking of the supporting cast more than the 
Danny DeVito being the leading man. You just a lot of us can't remember that Danny DeVito was a leading man at one point. I think people will have trouble <laughs> remembering that in the future. When they have the montage where this song plays in the movie of Bette Midler exercising, which is what the song was used for, it makes no sense. That's when it got bad for me. It only works in that it's like a fast song. So if she's like working out and exercising in a kind of a funny way, then like the speed of the song can kind of work. The song is too cool for, and don't get me wrong, I, I, we all love Bette Midler, but this isn't, I did not picture Bette Midler working out when I heard this song. Well, it's got that lyric about high top sneakers. So <laughs> that's a workout thing. Kind of. Yeah, but I always thought when it said, high, I didn't know the line was high top sneakers. I thought it was like high heeled shoes or something. This was in my mind because I'm thinking of Christy Brinkley. Yeah, yeah. And then it's of Italian design. You think of high design kind of stuff. Exactly. That's exactly the lyrics I'm talking about because that's that first unbelievable group of lyrics. You see her sitting with her coffee and her paper with her high top sneakers of Italian design. And when he goes up like that, we've talked about that when he goes to that register, I think on one of the songs, maybe um, something off Cold Spring Harbor, I think, or maybe one of the unreleased ones where he went to that. Uh, got to begin again. He gets really high in a nice got way. Got to begin again, which is great because you don't expect it to go that way. And it's kind of fun. With a long, cool stare, she aggravates the tension, makes up her face while she makes up her mind. I lo- I, this, this, these lyrics in this song... They roll. They're good. They're quick and they're fast and they're good Billy Joel lyrics. But again, I thought it was I wasn't thinking high top sneakers of it. I thought it I was thinking I'm thinking of Christy Brinkley the entire song. So I'm thinking it's a, a, a when I'm thinking of a modern woman, when I saw Bette Midler, I'm like, this song is not working in this movie. Yeah, she's an old fashioned woman. She's like back at the shtetl. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Exactly. Yeah. So it, it kind of ruined the song for me in many ways because I was thinking of it in my head as a completely different thing. Now, so you found out actually what it is about, right? The modern the woman. Yeah, that he wrote for this movie and he just saw that whatever you know he talks about it in building the bridge. Um, and he seems very embarrassed having written the song, you know, for this movie and about Bed Midler. And he even says about it, the lyrics stink, and he'd probably dump it off the album. That's a quote. So he's not too into it. But I'm, I'm with you. I like the lyrics, actually, in some spots. My favorite is that one where he goes, uh, rock and roll just used to be for kicks, and nowadays it's politics. And, and after, after 1986, 1986 what else could be new? Oh, man. <laughs> I love rhyming kicks, politics, and 86. That's really Isn't that cool. great? Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, it's got multiple rhymes. You don't see that a lot in the songs. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I remember it, of course, you know. 1986, it was cool. A lot of people didn't like this song. I know when it came out, I just thought it was great. I mean, I guess a lot of people did because it's top 10 because, you know, the groove is good. It's exciting. I like the keyboards, obviously. These are my favorite kind of 80s keyboards, kind of a, a Paul Schaefer-esque uh, keyboard <laughs> to it. Yeah. So I really like, but no, the song he said, this song is about, it's about a guy from Brooklyn who sees a girl with purple hair and thinks she's cool. Yeah. That's what the song is about. That's so weird. I know he said he had to like build this story in his mind, and that's what he came up with. Um, does Bette Midler have purple hair in the movie? No, no, no. This has nothing to do with Bette Midler. We don't even know if he knew Bette Midler was going to be in it. I think when he came up with this song, it was about a girl who he saw who he thought was so cool. When he was saying modern woman, he was saying like kind of a 
like a goth chick. Like a futuristic 80s, yeah, like real modern, new wave hair. Yeah, and purple. we all took it to assume it meant Christy Brinkley, which is why that song went to top 10. There's no way if he's not married to Christy Brinkley, this song goes to top 10. I believe that with all my heart. No, I, I think, look, he, he's coming off of an innocent man and a three-year layoff where they've released, like, what, like seven of those songs as singles. He's a huge star. This is the first song from his new album. To get to number 10 is, like, nothing. The fact that it only went to number 10, I think, shows that it wasn't that great of a song. This first single, after three years of nothing, should have gone to, like, top three. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, what you were saying about the fact that he hates this song, I guess you probably saw the uh, the, the first time he did it live, right, on... In 2019. Yeah, September 2019. Yeah. And he says, I quoted it, this is the first time we're going to do this song live, so we may really fuck this up. But at least you know we're not on tape. It will be an authentic rock and roll fuck up. He really hates this song. Yeah, he didn't even tell the crowd to put earmuffs on their kids. He just dropped two (laughs) F-bombs talking about this song. And then I watched the video uh, November 2019 where he says, I don't know why I wrote this one either <laughs> before he gets into it. Why is he so down on this song? I love this song. I love this song. And the crowd seemed to like it. Um, and actually, he played it a lot live after that first live performance. So I think he kind of liked it. The band liked it, too. Yeah, it's like it's funny. It's like it's one of those. It, this seems like it should be a really depressing song again that somehow lifts us up. I feel like the lyrics should be really depressing. Like we always talk about his depressing songs are some of the most entertaining songs because they lift you because his melody, you know, his melody is so excellent. So I figure like this should be another one of those, but I'm glad it's not. And it's just about a girl and a boy. And I like that kind of stuff a lot. Yeah, and it's the kind of song that he's written a lot in the past. You know, this kind of like a down and out kind of guy who's trying to get a girl who's out of his class, right? Which is like Uptown Girl and like a million other songs that he's written. So it's just the same old thing, except this one's about a purple haired lady. Right, which was why it was, there was no reason not to believe it wasn't about Christy Brinkley. But, you know, I also like that opening line. You see her sitting with her coffee and her paper. All I can think about is the backside of the Nylon Curtain album. He's like, well, of course he likes her. It's exactly like, uh, it's exactly like him. In the nylon curtain <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, it's like when Jerry Seinfeld is dating that girl who looks just like him. <laughs> no, wait, George is dating the girl who looks like Jerry. But Jerry was dating that girl who just, uh, when it was Janine Garofalo, who just acted like him and spoke like him. Oh, right. And ate the same food. And so he thought that's what he wanted. And then he, when he realized it, he couldn't take it anymore. And so it's kind of like Billy Joel here. It, subconsciously, he thinks he wants a girl with coffee and newspaper. Tracy Nelson. I think that was her name of the one that looked like Jerry. Oh, in real life? Yeah, she's... Okay. I think that's her name. She, I think she might be the daughter of somebody. She might be the daughter of a, that singer, Ricky Nelson, maybe. Uh, I don't know. She was in Square Pegs with Sarah Jessica Parker in the 80s. She had a little career going on in the 80s. And uh, I feel like she was also in a Lucille Ball Henry Fonda movie. I don't know why I know all this stuff. I'm weird. Wow. I might be wrong. I don't know. But I mean, I know I know she was in Square Pegs, the one that looks like Jerry. And she was like the pretty girl, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, <laughs> well, she is pretty. Oh, yeah. She no, looks like Jerry. Pretty, but, but she looks like Jerry, right? Yeah. And then she was in the uh, the one with Tom Biles. Why do I know all this? Uh, uh, the Father Dowling Mysteries, I believe. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 she played a nun, I think. <laughs> there you go. Why do I That's know her whole this? IMDb right now. Off the top of your head, somehow you know everything she's been in. That is off the top of my head. I'm incredibly an idiot. So then you saw the the documentary of the bridge where they play the song a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now the guy 
sitting there, the fat guy with the beard. Is that Phil Ramone? Yes, it's the it's the greatest piece of video I've ever seen. And I wish I hope one of our listeners can like just take this th- two second clip and loop it over and over and over again. And I can watch it for five hours. It's Phil Ramone air guitaring to Modern Woman in the corniest way. I am with you a hundred percent. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was him. And then I was trying to figure out, well, who else would it be? And he is loving this song. He's moving so good and bad at the same time. It's like mesmerizing. Like you're saying, you can't take your eyes off it. And I just want to loop it. You're right. Yeah, I want there to be more of it. The whole documentary should have just been Phil Ramone in his weird Cosby sweater <laughs> just doing. And it's not even like like when I air guitar, it's like a killer guitar solo. He's just doing like rhythm guitar strumming to Modern Woman. Yeah, he's moving so good for a fat guy. <laughs> I, I think that's what makes it so mesmerizing, right? He's in a, a, a Cosby sweater, and he's got like that beard. He should be carrying a pipe, and, and, yet, and yet he's playing. It's like, how did this guy produce rock and roll albums? That's what you're thinking, you know, <laughs> like when you're watching him do this, and yet the guy was a goddamn genius. Maybe this is why he didn't do the next album. Billy Joel saw him out of the corner of his eye, and he was like, no, I don't think so. That's not the direction I want to go in. I suppose that could have something to do with it. It makes a lot of goddamn sense. <laughs> Did you get to see the sad jazz version done by the Span- those Spanish people? No, I didn't listen to that. Oh, well, it's it's actually it's it's fantastic. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not you know, better than the song, but it's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a bunch of Spanish people, I think. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think they're in New York because it says they're getting a New York feel to it. So, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, somewhere in Spain or Mexico or somewhere. But uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting version of doing Modern Woman a, a little bit slowed down. And, you know, uh, she's like, you see her sitting with her coffee and her paper, a high top sneakers of Italian design. So it's real jazzy, nice and slow and jazzy. What is it, like nine minutes long? Yeah. (laughs) There's so many words in this song. It's like somebody doing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl. (laughs) What's the over-under on Modern Woman by the Spanish guys? 542. It's 14 minutes long. (laughs) It's the whole first side of the bridge. You see her sitting with her coffee and her paper with her high top sneakers of Italian design with a long stare. She craves the tension, make up the face while she makes up her mind. Now you're in trouble, maybe she's an intellectual. What if she figures out you're not very smart? Or maybe she's the quiet type who's into heavy metal Boy, you got to get a settle Cause she's breaking your heart And try to put on an act You can do that to modern woman And you're an old-fashioned man She understands the things you're doing She's a mother I got to ask you, because I like this song so much and it meant so much to me again for so many reasons. First Billy Joel song off a new album that I hear 
besides awkwardly running on ice, uh, going to a new movie that Billy Joel's doing a soundtrack for a movie, which makes me happy because then more people will know about Billy Joel. Like, I really still felt he was, even though after an innocent man, he was like a secret. <laughs> I don't know why. For me, uh, probably the best song on the album, and nothing else later was as good for me as this one. And it probably doesn't belong on the album, like you, like you say, and he says, uh, when was the first time you heard this song? Because it's not on any greatest hits compilation. So when did you hear it? I'm just curious because it means so much to me for some God knows reason. Uh, yeah, I, the first time I heard it was, I guess, the first time I listened to The Bridge, which has only been probably just a few years ago, not not, not too long ago, really, uh, to listen to like album tracks on The Bridge because I like Billy Joel's older stuff more. And I don't know, it, uh, to me, I don't like the song very much, but parts of it do stick in my head at times. So it is always there. It just feels a little dated to me. That's my issue. But you like have this firsthand experience with it. That's different. Yeah, well, of course, of course, it's. I mean, if you're gonna put a a year in a song, it's always gonna be dated. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but as you're as we're both saying this, it's kind of funny because we just did Miami 2017, and that's not dated. But in a different way, like like Pete Townsend does this also. There's a song on uh, maybe on the Who's album Face Dances. Where he again talks about like it's 1982 as if that's like so modern and like new, but it sounds so bad when you hear it now. I remember that. Was that Slit Skirts? Uh, no, that's one of his solo songs. Um, oh, right. I remember him saying 1982 in one of the songs. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's about how his kids don't don't think he's cool anymore. The song I forget. I know what it. It's a uh, Asia. Oh. A- no, no, it's a- called uh, Daily Records. Oh, okay. I don't know that one, but Asia in their first album, the band. Either it's either the heat of the moment or only time will tell. They mentioned the year, which made the song seem futuristic at the time. Never name, never put a date in your music unless it's Miami 2017. That's the rule because it's the future, the future. But yeah, it is dangerous to put a date in a song because then it's it's dated, like you said. But you know, but it's funny when a song in the 80s, you know, you're talking about modern woman, it all made sense because everything seemed like women were were different you know they made that movie working girl around that time and and it was there was a difference and they were calling them modern women you know then i i think there that was a time when things were getting dip where more women were working and stuff so the the song is also relevant in that sense as well yeah i mean look he's talking about a purple-haired woman but then he has a lyric she looks she looks sleek and she seems so professional now, normally you'd think purple hair, she's a barista, but he's seeing her as like a powerful executive. But again, successful. What was the line again? She looks sleek and she seems so professional. Yeah, professional. So who wouldn't think this was Christy Brinkley? Who's he trying to fool? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think he didn't know what he was writing. And then he's trying to afterward be like, yeah, I pictured this. And none of the stories match up. It's a bad alibi. Well, you know, it also ends the movie, too. So they, the producers must have loved it. Ruthless People. It also is the end credits as well. So they play it twice, which is not just rare. I think unheard of. And, you know, what's also cool is I was just flipping around to different moments in the movie because I didn't see it. But I was on YouTube. There's like some the whole movie's on there. 
And it seems like the background music cues just for various scenes seem to be based off of this song. Yeah, like it's right. not exactly Modern Woman, but it sounds like Modern Woman. Whenever stuff's happening, a car's driving, you hear some music, and it's like this. This is the basis that they use, kind of like a Bond movie, where they'll take the song and always play it throughout the movie. Like yeah, it's like the whole score me. is Modern Woman. Exactly, basically. yeah. But I always think of that, that first beat. Also, that, that documentary one has a little different beat to it, which I also like as well. Little different yeah, and there's no like sax. None of the horns are in it, so it's a little bit different, like that. I guess I don't like horns. You're like, anti-horn. I guess I am. Um, what also I, what I like about the building the bridge version is that Billy Joel throws in some Beatles in the middle of it. He sings a line from "She's a Woman." He goes, "My love, don't bring me presents." Oh, right. And then he ends it with the doo 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 boop boop. Yeah, that's my favorite part. That <laughs> guy gets it. You know, this Ruthless People movie, they also got Mick Jagger to write the, the title track called Ruthless People. So they, they, they pulled out all the stops yeah. for this movie. That's what they were doing back then. If you could get all those people to record for your movie you know that isn't off another album it's a pretty good deal they got mick jagger to do it ironically mick jagger used this woman in the movie this red-haired woman anita morris for uh, another stones video called she's so hot I, th- I think that's what it's called and they won't air the video anymore why not because it's too 80 sexy because because the original version of the video is that this girl's so hot it makes all the rolling stones fly zippers open <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they considered uh, provocative back then is a little different now but it's hard it's uh, very difficult to find uh the video but it's well now i'm gonna have to find it i mean oh, you brought so, it up i got it now I well, it's find funny it. using this woman from ruthless people she was you know she's just okay hot you know she's 80s hot i guess but she's still a little older too it's for a video like that it's uh, interesting but they must have enjoyed her company i guess and the video yeah, is just so. great because it's mick it's the whole band one at a time, but watching Mick do anything is just awesome. He's so. And so you're saying that their zippers like just kind of like open up, just like in Ghostbusters. Yes, but they, they that's right. But they had to change that. You'll never find that version. MTV wouldn't <laughs> play it. They had to change it. That it that version exists somewhere, but that's impossible. So the MTV version is still hard to find, but it's available somewhere. Okay, I'm gonna do but some deep yeah, they dives. Use the woman from Ruthless People. So there's this big tie-in connection to Ruthless People and all this music, and who knows why. Uh, but I, I will say to you, young folk who maybe haven't seen Ruthless People, I will tell you, I believe that it may hold. I haven't seen it since 1986. There's no reason to ever see it again. But I think it could be an enjoyable movie to watch. I actually do want to watch it because when I looked it up on Wikipedia, I think it said that its Rotten Tomatoes score was very high, like 93%. People really like it. It was one of those movies that you weren't expecting it to be very good, and it was very good. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah. I got a good one for you. Okay. okay. It's pretty easy, I think. <laughs> but here it is. The three actors, I know you haven't seen the movie, 
but the, but there there are clips and you know in some of the videos, the three actors and ruthless people that have the happy ending and end up with the money on the beach at the end. Those three actors also appear, all three, in a '90s television series. Can you name the series? Hmm. Okay, so. I don't know who the three were, but who was on TV in the night? So what, I'm assuming it's either maybe DeVito or Judge Reinhold could be one of these people. But what shows were they on in the 90s? All right, I'll just tell you who's on the beach. Okay. at the very end, okay? Okay. It's Judge Reinhold, it's Bette Midler, and it's Helen Slater. I don't know who Helen Slater is. What TV show? Well, okay. Oh, they're all in Seinfeld. Yes! Judge Reinhold was the close talker. Right. Bette Midler was herself. Right. Rochelle, Rochelle the musical. Right. And who would Helen Slater be? Becky Gerke? What? What's the name? Becky... Uh, oh, Gelke? Yeah. The one whose car... The one whose car he hit. Uh, or, oh, yeah. Or that girl hit. And then the really hot girl. And then I think Kramer ends up going out with her. Oh, yeah. And, and Jerry... Jerry knows who did it, but he doesn't want to implicate her. So right, he's so he like, gives her the, the money. Like, she wanted me to give this to you. And she's like, oh, sure. You can't just say you're, that it was you who did this to me. That's Helen Slater. Wow. See, when you first said the question, I was thinking that they were all like the lead of the same show, but they were just on Seinfeld, yeah. different classic episodes. Well, obviously, those two playing different characters because their career was over. And Bette Midler, of course, <laughs> playing herself because her career will never end because she is a national treasure, as Kramer says. Uh, <laughs> in the <movie laughs> show. Uh, Helen Slater was kind of had a, you know, when she did Ruthless People, she was, that was her downfall. Like she was, had stuff going on in the age. She played Supergirl. And that oh. put her into this, even though the movie was bad, then she did... Um, what is it called? Invincible or something like that was the name of this Pat Benatar song. So she had like a bunch of stuff in the 80s into the late 80s. And then, you know, that's why she played that very, very small part on Seinfeld, which is crazy for somebody that was kind of had it going on. Could have been a Meg Ryan or something like that, which is uh, just didn't work out. I know because I went to college with her cousin. So he would tell me her whole backstory and everything and was amazed that she had gotten that far. That's pretty cool. It's just yet another very notable girlfriend of Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, they're right. I just told you. To, oh, well, the, the other one was George. The other one was a right. George girlfriend, but also notable. So everyone on that show has something cool. In their well, mouth. that's the thing. Every single girlfriend of Jerry's you can find on another show or something else. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, really. They, they pick the best of the best for not just Jerry, but George and Kramer. And Sarah Silverman plays Kramer's girlfriend. They used uh, all the popular folks. Yeah, and then even someone like Jennifer Coolidge, like before she became Stifler's mom and then everything else she's done since then and become like really well-known. She's like totally different looking. Yep. She's the one who's the masseuse that yep. he dates. Yep, and I, um, I, I stayed at her house when I was in California for a while. <laughs> Jennifer no Coolidge. That's pretty cool. It's <laughs> pretty Coolidge. You know, I have trivia for you. Well, that'd be terrific. I would like that very much. I thought for a change of pace, what if I do a trivia question? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You're like a modern woman. <laughs> I can do what I want to do. <laughs> so the movie Ruthless People was written by this guy, Dave Launer. Uh, even though it was directed by the Zuckers, they didn't write it. It was this guy, Dave Launer, who wrote it. This guy also wrote what other film that starred one of the stars of Easy Money? Mm. 
one of the stars of Easy Money. My cousin Vinny. Correct. Really? I just took yeah. a stab. I took a stab. <laughs> You're right. Wow. Hey, that's awesome. Well, how about this guy? What else did he do? Do you know? It's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, he did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, my God. That's a great one. That's in 88. Boy, this guy was, uh, he had that six-year period. He was just cranking them out, I guess. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is terrific. You ever see that? Steve Martin, Michael Caine? No, I didn't. They even made it into a Broadway show. That's a that's a good one, like Ruthless People, in the sense of where uh, you think it's not going to be that great, but it is good. Meanwhile, they wanted to cast Mick Jagger in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael, with Steve Martin, I believe, or the opposite way around. Instead uh, of Michael Caine, I, I don't remember which part they wanted him for, but he was supposed to be one of the leads, either Steve Martin or Michael Caine. He was maybe he was going to be the Michael Caine part. I don't know, but that would have been. It probably wouldn't have worked, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, I don't know. If, can he act? I, he who cares? Acted? It's like it's mixed, so it doesn't matter. It's like you know, the last time he hosted Saturday Night Live, which was only like three years ago, he's in the stupidest sketches, but he's Mick Jagger, and no one cares. You know, like he, <laughs> it doesn't matter what he's doing. To me, I know what it was. They were at a karaoke bar, and everybody was singing Rolling Stones songs, and he was just sitting there with his glasses, like being a nerd, being like, "I don't like this song." <laughs> I mean, it's just he's Mick Jagger, so he's the epitome of the word "cool." He's the the opposite of Billy Joel. Yeah, the opposite of Billy Joel, basically. Billy Joel should have been in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Billy Joel and Mick Jagger—they were the two stars originally supposed to be in that. Well, Alan, I'm pretty sure you and I and everyone that listens to this podcast would have gone out to see that movie and we probably would have seen it multiple times and of course and plus Billy Joel would have written like four songs for the soundtrack both of them with me yeah right it would have been oh what's your parody today I am looking forward to it Alon do not let me down all right my parody today is called modern artist okay Um, I'm, I'm just doing the chorus chorus only not a long one um, but since you love the song, why don't you do the final line of it? So the line where he would normally say, she's a modern woman, you'll come in and say, she's a modern artist. Okay. She paints some circles and squares, no talent there. She's a modern artist. She splatters paint on some wood. Any toddler could do what she's doing. She's a modern artist. I was hoping you were going to do the uh, rock and roll just used to be for kicks and nowadays it's politics and after 1986. (laughs) I was hoping for that. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is Modern Woman. It's only going to get the chorus. You know, this is. But then I was thinking it would be fun to actually. There's so many fun lyrics in this song. um, But gosh, it was it was above my my uh, talent. To, to work this into a parody. Well, too bad. I still will always like this song. I'm all in on Modern Woman, everybody. On Billy Joel. I don't see. Well, folks, that was Modern Woman. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at BillyJoelA2Z and give us some feedback. Do you think this should appear on Greatest Hits Volume 4, if that ever happens? Yes. <laughs> Did you also think this was about Christy Brinkley? 
Do you like this song as much as Dave? Yay. And what do you think of Phil Ramone's dancing air guitar? <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow, and I'm a modern woman. <laughs> we all suspected. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Hey-oh! Things are not the same.